First off, I just want to say what a blessing it is that we can just come to a wonderful building like this and be able to worship. Uh, the reason why I'm saying that is uh, I just heard that this morning because of Hurricane Florence, uh, there are people that they can't even go to worship today. Um, and uh, we're just so blessed. And I want you to understand that when we come together as a church, that this is such a privilege. And sometimes I think we take it for granted because we have such a wonderful place. But I'm just so thankful this morning that we can come. And if you would remember the people that are going through, um, I mean, they might be losing everything they have in terms of just physical things. And so just to really pray protection over them, that would just be great. All right. With that said, um, as we begin, if you could just share with the person next to you. If you could spend time, okay, it could be half a day, with any person in this world, could be an innovator, entrepreneur, celebrity, sports star. Who would that be? Okay, just think about it briefly, and then maybe with the person next to you, just share. Who would that person be that you wanted to spend maybe just a half a day with that person? Go ahead. I don't know who that person would be, but I'm sure that person would have utmost priority in your life. Where if he or she would invite you to spend time half a day with them, you would change your whole schedule. You would take the day off and you would make things work out so you can go and make and have that invitation accessible now. Well, this is what John Piper says, and I love this quote, it says this, one of the great short-term tragedies in the church is how little inclination we have to pray. I love this next phrase. It says, the greatest invitation in the world is extended to us. Think about that. How true that is, right? Creator of the universe, creator of our souls, gives us the greatest invitation, access to him. And the piper goes on to say, and incomprehensibly, we regularly turn away to other things. See, we live in a time and a place where tragically, and at times, to our spiritual detriment, the church does not enough utilize this gift and this privilege of prayer as we ought to. And I don't care if you've grown up in the church or if you serve in the church, this is something that can be a struggle in the midst of our daily schedule. I was reading Relevant Magazine, and this is a leader in the church, and he was sharing something that I found to be profoundly eye-opening and something that I can relate with. He said this, I wish I could say that my prayer life is one defined by consistent authenticity and audacious faith. But if I'm being honest, prayer is one of the places I struggle the most in my walk with God. I struggle with slowing down long enough to pray. I struggle with finding a quiet place and getting alone. I struggle with praying big prayers with big faith. I struggle with being consistent and fervent with my prayers. I even struggle sometimes with following through with the promise I make to pray for someone. I don't know if you can relate with that. Can you? Okay, so that's a question. So uh, hopefully we're getting to a point. Do you, do you relate with that? Yes? Because I do. And I, I don't know what the reason or the excuse is. But this is why the word for us this morning is so important. And maybe it's a word that you've already heard. But it's something that we need to hear over and over again. Because we see Jesus' heart for the individual that follows him, 
for the family, for the church, for the generation. He desires people, his people, to be a people that prays. Not just once in a while, but to be persistently committed in our prayer life. And this is what he's going to teach us as we look at the verses in Matthew 7, verses 7 and on. You with me? Okay, so I'm going to hope that it gets better as we go along here. But this is the truth, that we need to be persistent in prayer. In verse 7 it says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. See, the Greek tenses for the three verbs there in verse 7 is designated to be defined as continuous action. So actually, it's best translated if it said, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. It's very similar to the command that we find in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which tells us to pray without ceasing, right? Or to pray continuously. And I want you to notice something also, that there is a progression here, right? We are to ask, but it's not enough just to ask, but we are to seek and knock. There is an action required, meaning we don't just pray and just sit on our butt. We seek it out. It's like the person that prays to God, God, give me this job, but you don't send out any resumes. There is a progression here that Jesus is asking for us to follow, that we ought to ask, of course, and we have to keep asking, but also there's a responsibility for us to keep seeking and knocking as well. There's an action required. In verse 8, it goes on, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. So the question is, what is the promise that Jesus is giving here? It's very important, because if you misunderstand this promise, you will misunderstand and have wrong expectations. So the question I have for you this morning is this. What is the promise that Jesus is giving here in verse 8? Since we discussed in the beginning of the sermon, I'd like for you to turn to the person next to you again. What is the promise that Jesus is giving here in verse 8? Quickly just share with the person that you shared with in the beginning. Go ahead. All right. So is Jesus promising that whatever you ask, that he's going to grant to you? Anyone? No way. That's not what he's saying. It does not say, ask and you'll receive the very thing you asked for, when you asked for it, in the way that you asked for it. That's not what Jesus is saying here. You know why? Because if Jesus did that, it would be to our spiritual detriment. Because there are so many things that we ask for. If Jesus granted every prayer that I prayed in my life, my life would be a mess. Amen? Can you relate with that? I mean, I pray for some terrible things. I'm just going to let you know straight up, Okay? Uh, I'm a huge Lakers fan. In the early 2000s, they would play the Sacramento Kings, or we call them the Queens, right? So they would play them all the time. And I remember distinctly praying that Chris Webber would get hurt, right? Like, God, would you grant that? That's a terrible prayer. Please don't judge me. This was a while ago, okay? <laughs> I've also prayed for terrible weather because I didn't want to take a test that I did not study for, that I knew I was going to fail. I remember when I was doing youth ministry, I had one of my uh, youth students, as we were going around the circle, sharing prayer requests. Her prayer request was, Pastor John, I need you to pray that more people die this week. I was shocked. I said, like, what did you say? 
And she said, I need you to pray that more people die. Well, the reason why is because her parents actually owned the mortuary in Downey. And business was slow. And so she was praying because she was concerned for her family that more people would die. It's a little snippet into sometimes our prayer life. That sometimes we pray for things. And it's not good for us. It's not. And Jesus knows that. And he would not grant that. This is why James 4.3, if you ever come across this passage, it says this. You ask and you do not receive. Because you ask wrongly. Because you, you spend it on your passions. Meaning sometimes we ask with wrong intentions and for wrong reasons. And how often I have been more privy to that. So, to give us more context, Jesus wants to clarify what his promise is. This is why we get to verses 9 through 11. And this is really the meat of what Jesus wants to get across. It says this, Or which one of you? Now he's going to speak to earthly parents. So he wants to use it as an analogy. Or which one of you? If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. See, as earthly parents who are broken and flawed, we understand this concept. When your son or daughter asks you for scrambled eggs, you don't give him scrambled scorpion, right? You just don't do that. As good parents, you know that if it's something that's going to be detrimental to your children, you, even though you are broken and flawed as earthly creatures, you know better than to do that. For example, my second daughter, she hates wearing the seatbelt in the car because she says that it hurts her stomach and she feels uncomfortable. Would I ever say, well, why don't you just take that off? No. My children also these days, they hate naps. Like, who hates naps? Like, my children, like, they fight me like I'm trying to do something horrendous in their life. I'd be like, all right, it's time for a nap. No! I'd be like, no, it's really, you, you feel better. See, by 6 p.m., my second one, she's cranky like crazy because she didn't take a nap, right? So I'm like, yeah, you need to take a nap. It'll be really good. How dare you ask me to take a nap, Papa? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I didn't know I was... You see, as earthly parents, you understand. My kids want to eat chocolate, gummy bears. They want to watch iPad 24-7. That would be heaven for them. But being a parent that loves them, even though I'm broken and flawed, I understand that that's not what I'm going to grant. See, the point that Jesus is making, and the promise is simply this. The promise is because God is our heavenly perfect Father. Do you see that contrast? Even though we're earthly parents that are flawed. Now, he is our heavenly father who is perfect. He only gives to us things that are good. In his wisdom, he only provides for us that which is beneficial to our spiritual health. So he says no. Sometimes he'll say wait because it's best for us. This is what St. Augustine says, and I love what he says. He says this. For what would he not now give to sons when they ask, when he has already granted this very thing, namely, that they might be sons? Do you see what he's saying here? 
He's saying he has given us already the greatest gift to be his sons and daughters. So why would he not grant to us anything that might be beneficial to our spiritual health? And so if you understand that God has given us the greatest gift, he has sacrificed his one and only son to be sacrificed on the cross so that we might be redeemed sons and daughters. When you understand that he has already granted us that greatest gift, why would we ever think that he would not give to us something that is beneficial to our spiritual health? gives to us in his wisdom all that is beneficial to our spiritual health. See, he wants to give us fish and eggs and dangerous spiritual impending things. Thinking that is fish good things for us. That is the Heavenly Father that we have that loves us so dearly he would say no to some of the requests, knowing that it could impact us negatively. Praise God that he's like that. I thank God all the time. Because have you ever done that? Thought to yourself, God, I want this relationship to work out. Because I feel like she or he is the one. And then later on, you find out in God's wisdom that he or she, God has provided a better, more suitable person for you. Or you think to yourself, this job is it. I need it. And later on you find out in God's wisdom that he has provided a better thing for you. That is the promise that Jesus reveals to us in this passage. So now, as you think about this passage, you might be thinking, if God knows all things, even before I say it, and if I say it once, he should remember, right? Why do I have to nag him? Why do I have to be persistent in my prayer? Are you asking that? Are you thinking that at all? Like, why? Why is God asking me to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, if God, in his perfect knowledge, knows exactly what I need? Well, simply this. It's because the main goal of prayer, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The main goal of prayer is not to get something from God, but it's to continue in a loving relationship with him. He's not a genie in the bottle. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about God telling you that when you come to him in prayer, that, that those are moments where God will restore you. He will reveal joy. He will remind you of his goodness. You will walk away with more purpose and hope when things look dire in your life. So he is telling you that like the vine and the branches, to draw near to him because that's the best place for us. See, prayer is a reminder that we need God so much. And because he's our loving heavenly father, he knows exactly that that's what we need. And so we are to keep asking, not because we get a trinket, but because when we draw near to him, that is the best place to be. Amen? That's where we need to be. You know, Hebrews 10, 19 and 20 tells us this. I don't know if you've ever read this verse. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, I want you to stop there. The word that should stand out to you is the word confidence. And for an Old Testament person, that word should be shocking. I mean, shocking. Because no person would dare walk into the presence of God confidently. The high priest one day a year, would walk into the Holy of Holies. They would tie 
a rope, tradition tells us, around their ankle with bells attached to their belt. Because to walk into the presence of God, the word should actually be fear. Because God's such a holy God, how can I dare walk into his presence? But Hebrews, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, he's granted us access so that now this prayer is a gift and a privilege that we have each and every day. So that we can now walk confidently into his presence to find him each and every day. I love what Rankin Wilborn says. He says this, persistence compels us to the true center of prayer, which is not something, but someone. Persistence deepens our relationship with God and compels the heart to examine what it really wants most. Do you want God even more than you want what you are asking for? If not, then for God to grant what you are asking for, even if it's a good thing, might be the most unloving thing God could ever do. There's so much wisdom in what he's saying. What he's trying to remind us is that prayer and persistence in prayer is because you find a thriving relationship with God when you continually ask and seek him. And that's the best thing for us. For some odd reason, in the church, okay, maybe mistakenly, we have this picture where Jesus is teaching this, and he's like begging people, come on, keep asking, keep seeking, come on. And he's begging us into his presence. And that's just the wrong picture. That's just the wrong picture of prayer. I, I told you, right, to think about the person you want to spend most time with, right? Pastor Steve, who's that person for you? Okay, Nelson Mandela. Okay, great. If Nelson Mandela called you today, I said, hey, Steve, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm Nelson Mandela, okay? I want to invite you to come and spend time with me today, all day. You're going to walk with me, meet leaders. And spend. Steve would adjust his schedule, would change everything that's going on so he can make that work because this access to Nelson Mandela is a gift and a privilege. This is the picture of prayer that we need to have as his people. It's not Jesus begging us to come to him. It's he is this great, and he's granting us the greatest invitation each and every day to say, I am letting you walk into my presence with confidence because I love you. That's the picture. And it should floor us if we are not humbled by that to change everything in our schedule to make him the priority. I know it's a silly example, but this one really kind of cracked me up this week. Uh, someone posted this on Facebook. Um, there's a Korean K-pop group that was unaware. It's called BTS. Anyone know this group? Anyone follow? I mean, it's like a world phenomenon. I was like shocked. Okay? There is a news clip that I'm going to show you. Okay? And this was in the Bay Area. I guess they just had a concert. And people, the concert was Wednesday. On Monday, people were lining up because I guess first come, first serve, you get to be closer to them, right? I don't know how close you want to be to BTS. I, I don't know, but I want you to take a look at this, just this phenomenon that's just like worldwide. Go ahead, take a look. 
now, K-pop invades the East Bay. Hundreds of fans lined up outside Oracle Arena where South Korean pop band BTS performs tonight. The group's sold out Love Yourself World Tour has just one concert in the Bay Area and fans are coming out in droves. ABC7 News reporter Amy Hollyfield is live outside Oracle Arena and Amy, I've just seen nothing like this. It is pretty amazing, Jessica. Look behind me at this line of enthusiastic young people. <laughs> Those at the front of the line tell me they got here Monday night. They set up their tents and have been here ever since. They have had DoorDash bring them meals. They say they've just been hanging out and getting to know everyone else in line while they wait. This is all for tonight's BTS concert. It's a seven-member South Korean boy band. These fans have tickets, but they are in line because they tell me the pit down in front is first come first serve basis and they want to be as close to the stage as they can get. So the doors to the parking lot don't open until 10 o'clock this morning. The doors to the Coliseum don't open until later tonight. So they still have a ways to go, but they all seem in very good spirits. They're very excited about this concert. I did look up BTS on Twitter. They are very famous. I'm learning a lot this morning. They have 16 million followers. So, and they, they picked me up as a follower this morning too. Oh. Live. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. So I, I did some follow-up research on this group. I mean, it's crazy. So I heard a story about it at, at the LA concert. I guess it was last week. Um, a woman quit her job. Quit her job. So she could camp out a week before. So she could be the first person in line. Quit her job. Quit her job, okay? But this is the point I want to make. It, it's kind of crazy. It's crazy, but in some weird way, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if this person, or if, how many of them are there? There's, you know, if this many people are that important to you, this makes sense. Jesus is speaking to a people as he's giving the sermon. That are people that declare themselves to be the people of God. And in Jesus' love, he's speaking to them. He's saying, you have the greatest invitation. And the one that created you. The one that you declare is the person that is the most important person in You ought to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Because if you are truly that person, then it only makes sense that you would live this out. I want to challenge you. God has given us this greatest gift. Prayer. And I want you to see prayer that way. He has given us the greatest privilege to speak with him. The creator of the universe is, is calling us and saying, you can come into my presence confidently. May we be people that realize the value and the spiritual lifeline that we have. This thing we call prayer. To access it, be persistent, 
over and over that we would find a thriving relationship with Jesus that we don't just talk about, but we live out in our life of prayer. Let's pray together. First off, Jesus, we want to thank you for such a wonderful reminder through your sermon. And some of us in this room, we have a wonderful prayer life. And we understand just how rich spiritually it can be when we spend time in prayer with you. And I thank you for that access that we have in you. For some of us in here who struggle uh, to make prayer something that is a regular practice in our life, Holy Spirit, take this word this morning. Work on our hearts. That we would see you clearly as the God, the greatest invitation that we have. And that we would seize it each and every day, God. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.